Hello and welcome back to CH Network Presents. I'm Matt Swaim, uh, Director of Outreach for the Coming Home Network. Glad to have you along. And you can find us online at chnetwork.org if you want to view previous episodes of this or any other program that we produce. We do a lot of them and uh, would love to have you check some of those other ones out. Uh, got a great one today for you. We're going to talk about this myth that's out there that converts make the best Catholics. I brought in three converts who are not very good Catholics to help me reinforce <laughs> my point here that that's not usually the case. Uh, with me today, I've got Lorelai Saverin, and uh, she is, well, she's done a bunch of stuff over the years. She's uh, got a website called This Catholic Family. She also is a youth fiction author, and she's got a couple of books, The Circus of Stolen Gre Dreams, The Edge of Night. She's got a new one coming out called The Night Train. Casey and Aaron Phillips uh, are with us as well, and if you can't read the sign behind their head, just Google Baptist Catholic. I'm pretty sure like they're the only thing that will possibly come up. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm i not going to be able to get into your full narratives today because, well, we've got a topic on our hands, but I encourage people to check out Casey and Aaron were on the journey home together. Lorelai was on the journey home as well. Lorelai also has done a written story at chnetwork.org slash story. So has Casey. And the only reason we don't have one from Aaron yet is because she hasn't written one. <laughs> Yet. Yes. So, all right. Well, welcome all of you. Um, I'm just going to launch into this uh, just, just straight off the bat. We'll start with you, Lorelai. Uh, when you first came into the church as a rookie Catholic, brand new, did you have people telling you that you were the most amazing Catholic and you were a million times better of a person than all the cradle Catholics? Oh, yeah. I've heard that from... Catholics, and I've heard it from people who are evangelical or Protestant too, like, oh, you know so much more than people who grew up in, in the faith. And I've, and there are some people who are just so excited to see, uh, our family and our kids and all of us just like going to mass that I think in some ways it kind of comes out that way, even though I don't necessarily agree with it. How about you, Erin? I've definitely heard people say that. Um, I don't know if it's me personally, but nobody said it. <laughs> Maybe that's a bad thing to say. Um, but I don't think, especially as a new convert, I can't remember anybody telling me that specifically, but I didn't know a lot of Catholics coming into the church either because it was just us mm -hmm. um, and other people that had gone through RCIA with us. So we didn't have like a large Catholic community. So I didn't hear it a lot. Well, the yeah. reason I get to Casey last is because yeah. you're kind of a unique case because uh, we haven't mentioned this yet, but you're a preacher's kid. And yeah. so um, you are used to having to be like the smartest kid in the youth group. So I imagine that you did get this a little bit. Yeah, that's right. I remember winning, I don't know what it was, but it's some fake gold medals at Bible school or something for the memorization of the Bible facts. You know, it's, it's like comes with the lay of land. And if you don't, you know, it's kind of everybody looks down at you. But uh, yeah, no, definitely. I remember people just, and, and I often wondered if it was partly just my enthusiasm or, you know, the tradition I came from and, and of course, you know, the emphasis on scripture and things like that. But you would hear every once in a while somebody say, you know, all Baptists, they make the best Catholics. Oh, they're going to, you're the, the best ones. You're really going to fire us up. Us cradle Catholics, we need that. And just thinking, you know, you know, sometimes it probably puffed me up a little bit. I'm like, yeah, no problem, lady. Uh, <laughs> but other times it was very much like, no, I, 
I'm not that great. I don't know what the, the deal is here, but it was an interesting experience. Well, so since you brought up your fake gold medals, I do. I mean, I don't know if you see on this. This is uh, this is from I believe 1993 when we were Bible quizzing in the Church of the Nazarene on First oh Corinthians nice. one through thirteen. Oh my gosh! It's a perfect score. Oh so my gosh! Nice. I don't know if you see. Better than I ever did. Questions. Oh my gosh! That's I never got a trophy. But you did Nazarene Bible quizzing though, right? Oh yeah, we had the little seat sensors. That we would sit on yeah. and you have to jump up. The quick twitch. Yeah. Oh, we had like this whole methodology to where you would get, you just twitch ever so slightly yeah. and set off the buzzer. Yeah. So um, the Bible quizzing is a nice backdrop for where this is going to go, uh, right? Because, well, let's just say in your case, Casey, you couldn't just be the preacher's kid and not have like 50 Bible verses memorized, right? Yeah, right. That's right. No, exactly. I, I can remember that being kind of a little bit of a, a pressure when we were al- Doing this whatever competition, you know, you did it growing up at different times. That I remember it particularly one time, and um, yeah, you had to be. I had to be like the one. You know, there's just kind of some unspoken pressure. <laughs> I want to kind of break down a vocabulary sort of. Well, it's it's like a lazy vocabulary thing that I fall into all the time. We fall into it all, all the time as apostle, even though we try and catch ourselves. Um, you can't police this entirely. It. And it has to do with this. Technically, I don't think anybody on this episode is actually a Catholic. Well, we're not converts, right? Um, because we were all baptized Christians before we came to the yeah. Catholic faith. As a matter of fact, I think that probably some of you baptized two, three, four, maybe half a dozen times. It doesn't um, always take the first time. Right. So uh, the Catholic Church only really counts the first one. Um, but You're right. So good. That being said, I, I, I mentioned that because we were real live serious Christians, right? And so a large percentage of what you have to know as a Catholic is stuff that's baseline stuff you would already need to know as a Christian, right? I mean, do you think, Lorelai, that that's part of why when we come in, people think we know a lot because of all that overlap stuff that we know? Yeah, and I think there's kind of a stereotype that Protestants know the Bible better. Like we've kind of been like dancing around that a little bit just because of like we had the Bible memorization stuff, like knowing verses, being able to call out verses was something that showed that you were serious about your faith. And there's kind of a similar stereotype that like Catholics don't know the Bible that well, even though there's so much Bible every Mass. Like there's still this idea that Catholics don't know the Bible. So like there's even just like that side of things. Like I think maybe how we're generally or how at least like the people that have grown up in the Catholic faith, maybe we're taught to study the Bible differently or not as much, but there's so much Bible just immersed in the faith that I I think there's still a similar amount of, of like Bible immersion. It's just really different strategy, but there was that. And then I think also at least where I was, like in the Nazarene evangelical, like all the different places I was, there was a huge emphasis on apologetics and witnessing and evangelizing other people. So I was already coming in with that mind frame. And I don't know that that's emphasized as much for like my friends who grew up and were cradle Catholics. Yeah, Aaron, I'm really interested in your experience in this regard, because I actually happen to know quite well the church that you grew up in, because uh, we used to call it Six Flags Over Jesus when we drove past it in Lexington. Um, it's a very, it's a mess. They like have building sections that are literally called concourses. Uh, and so I think that for some people on the, from an outside perspective, they might think, oh, that's a mega church. It's shallow. They don't really teach anything. But I know 
well, I shouldn't have said the name. I know that church well enough to know <laughs> that uh, they do care about you knowing the faith, right? Yeah, and well, and I grew up there from the time we went from the time I was about two until you know we went to college. Um, and I did know the faith. Not only were we did Bible school, we did we did whirly birds, so we memorized scripture. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait! You're gonna have to define your terms here. <laughs> so it's every week you go, you have a little beanie that you wear. And you get pins in your beanie for Bible scripture memorization. I don't have my beanie to show you like no, you had. No, no. But every other night she brings it out. Just <laughs> rub it in my face. And it's where it's very... What hath Martin Luther wrought? It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did learn a lot as far as in youth programs and that kind of thing. I do feel like I got a lot of the basic Christian education through the church, even though it is big and it, it really does encourage a personal relationship with Christ, but also a personal relationship with the others in the body of Christ and, and just tries to really foster that. Yeah. And I think this brings home again, that, that, that greater point of a lot of what Protestants know is common to Catholics. So when you come in with that leg up, um, I mean, you've got all that overlap knowledge. What you're looking for is the stuff. Well, I, I mean, in my case, I didn't need to know about, I didn't need to, like an RCIA class on the Trinity, right? Or I didn't need an RCIA class on like Jesus dying for my sins. That stuff I knew all. I needed like to know what in the world was up with the Immaculate Conception, right? I, I needed to know that. So we kind of zeroed in in my world on like the the key like differentiating issues. Um, but because those differentiating issues are so massive, I think that part of the reason that people think that we're experts in like super Catholics is because these are such foreign things to us, right? I mean, they were so foreign to me. Like Casey, I mean, I'm pretty sure that in your Baptist church when your dad was preaching, he didn't preach on any of the four Marian dogmas except maybe <laughs> like touching on the virgin birth. Right. Yeah, you know, sometimes he'd break an immaculate conception, you know, when he felt... Yeah, no. at the Baptist Church in Kentucky, really right, talking yeah. about the immaculate conception. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that's it. And I was commenting to Aaron about this topic, and I'm just thinking about, you know, what is it? And I think it's it's partly that. It's the, okay, we, we had a what, conversion, you know, we were all Christians, of course, but so we were kind of had to stare down these topics that we had not seen before or we had seen and kind of put off before as, you know, unbiblical or whatever. But now, for whatever reason, somebody's influence or we see a little glimmer of truth, now we have to start investigating, moving forward with it. We start getting excited about it once we find out that, oh, wait, this is actually true and that the early Christians believe this stuff. And so once that starts to put together, I mean, it's it's almost the perfect store, storm of like the making of a really annoying person right? <laughs> because you know, here's this stuff that they're learning. It's true. They're getting super excited and jazzed about it. And at least I came out of that mix, like very much like, Oh my gosh, let me tell you about Mary's immaculate conception. You know, I just, I, so, and I think that zeal of, of finding it out and it's not a, just a convert thing. I think it's too, all of us have what those, those conversion moments in our lives, even people who are cradle Catholics, 
you know, they, they see something and they realize, oh, no, no, this is actually true and the church's teachings are true. And then, pow, it hits them in the head. I think somebody on the journey home, one of my favorite journey homes is uh, Mike Cumby, De- Deacon Mike Cumby. And he, he explained it as like those big, big, big trees down in Georgia and like coming up. It was all, he said it was almost like they got ripped up by the roots and fell down on the road and you smack right into them. It's like, oh. And so all of us reverts, converts, whatever, once you see the truth and beauty of the church, it supercharges you. And so I think people maybe sometimes see that as, oh, you're some sort of an expert. Mm -hmm. When really it's just, oh, the awe of all of it, the excitement. And it is exciting. It's, it's for the most part, um, well, the Catholic distinctives are are things that I don't think I'd ever, I mean, even in my anti-Catholic days, I'd never thought, well, here is the Catholic case for the papacy, and here's my case that responds to that. It was more like, here's a caricature of something that like I'm viewing from a million miles away and making a snap judgment about. And then once you engage it, you're like, it, it's, well, it, it, it kind of blows your mind a little, a little bit and you get, well, in my case, I got a little angry, right? Like who's been keeping this information from me? And so yeah. some of that zeal was fueled, it was fueled by excitement, but also fueled by a little bit of anger and also fueled by a little bit of frustration about all these people who uh, have had this stuff their whole lives, but didn't necessarily like, understand how to explain it and i i think that part of the reason that that people said that to me like oh you're such an amazing catholic is because i was taking stuff that people that was like in these people's bones and just saying it out loud it wasn't in my bones yet it was in my brain but it wasn't in my bones um i wonder like in your case lorelei like did you feel that kind of tension like it was it was information here but you weren't sure how to like get it to settle into the rest of you yet. Yeah. I think one of the things that's great about this faith is that it's going to take a lifetime and maybe beyond to like completely settle in. And that's one of the beautiful things about it. One of the things I was thinking about when, um, kind of preparing for this talk, and I think it relates to this was all of that knowledge that we were getting during that conversion process for sure made me annoying. When you said annoying, like I look back at some of the blog posts I wrote like really early on that like probably made some of my friends mad. I'm like, I can see why they were mad at me. Like that it was like, you know, just not very nuanced. Um, But I think one of the other things too, and why people say like, oh, like, you know, you're, you're, you know, this so well is because I feel like some of us come in and we kind of are bilingual. Like we speak the faith tradition that we came from. And then now we're speaking the Catholic, you know, vernacular. And so in terms of actually explaining some of these things that some people just grew up with, and it's just inside them, we had to find the words for it. And we had to find a way to translate that or reframe the the vocabulary that we thought. And so I became really good, really quickly at articulating certain aspects of Catholic doctrine, um, even as I was still under learning how to understand it if that makes sense it does make sense and i think part of it too is is you you hit on an interesting dynamic is um it may seem to to catholics that those of us coming into the church are studying all these arguments because we're trying to understand them ourselves well that's a piece of it we also have to justify this insane thing we're doing to our entire family who's not catholic right so every conversation is in some ways like a a trial by fire so i mean we're getting tested on this stuff kind of in real time every time we go home for Thanksgiving or or gosh when you go from home from Christmas and you're like well why did you go to the you know 
Christmas Eve service and then go to midnight mass afterwards. Like what's the, I mean, you have to justify these things. Um, did you have to do any of that, Aaron and Casey? Oh yeah, definitely. Just things that are, are different and kind of, you know, something will just come up kind of naturally as that's different. Um, I'm trying to think, well, we had, uh, we came into the church and I got pregnant as we were going through the RCIA process and everybody was like, wait, what? That wasn't what was planned. Right. But it's, it's a good opportunity for a conversation. Why do we believe that? Is that just some weird antiquated thing, you know? Um, and it's really just an opportunity for some social teaching. And even still, there's a lot of those times, you know, when I go to work or whatever, they'll say something kind of in passing about what Catholics believe. And somebody will say, wait, what? And it's just an opportunity to say, oh, well, this is what we do or this is what we believe. Mm-hmm. And But you have to be ready for it. Because, especially for us, we live in Kentucky in the Bible Belt. There's not a lot of Catholics around here. So, when I say something about going to adoration, I know as soon as I say that, nobody else in the room is going to know what I'm talking about. So, I'm going to have to give an explanation of what I'm talking about, adoration. And now I'm going to have to explain to you what we believe the Eucharist is. And I'm going to say, hold on, I'm going to blow your mind. This is what we believe. And then I'm going to then say, okay, this is why. And I'm, because we are so Protestant heavy, there is such a solo scriptura, like automatic, you know, covering, I guess, on everything. I'm going to use the Bible to support it. And I think that's part of it too, why people think converts kind of know a lot. We do come from solo scriptura. And so we're attracted to the biblical reasons that the church believes what we do. And so we'll find those and we're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, but it's not just scripture as a Catholic, right? It's also tradition and hierarchy and uh, all these things that add into on top of not taking away from scripture, but adding more depth and more beauty to it. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think um, I, I think Lord, I hit it right on the head when you're talking about kind of having to be bilingual. You know, I'm a, I was trained as a Spanish teacher, and so I, you know, I constantly was in kind of this. You know, I have to break this down for you know younger kids. I have to find a way to circumnavigate this odd you know structure or whatever it is to be able to get it into kids' heads or whatever. And even my own experience having to speak natively with people in whatever culture it's like your your brain is constantly having to to piece together ways okay i don't know how to say this word so i'm gonna have to go around this way to get my meaning across well it's kind of like that with (laughs) this experience you are getting you know this super just ton of information you're studying it so you're you're getting to know it well and then you're constantly being you know i think matt you said kind of like tested on this and so you have to turn and then go okay i can't just bust out these Catholic, you know, Catholic lingo to my family. I'm going to have to find a way to break this down, whether it's making, you know, references to scripture, whether, you know, making this make sense somehow. And so your brain's almost constantly in that state of, 
it's like working out. It's like it's like you're working that muscle of having to. Okay, I'm taking this information, but it's not just dumb information that I'm storing somewhere. I'm taking it, and now I'm engaging with people. Mm-hmm. I had a you know a former pastor friend that I think you could write a book with the emails that went back and forth. But it was kind of a blessing, even though it was a, it was a lot, because it forced me not only to to take that information that I got and then use it to you know defend the faith, but in a way that's charitable, and so. But yeah, I'm sure there was plenty of places where I was annoying and put my <laughs> foot in my mouth. And but. Yeah. All right. So this is where I'm going to be. I'm going to do something very on brand for me. Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to do a couple of things on brand uh, material here. One is that it, we're not just bilingual here at the Coming Home Network. We're like the C-3PO of apostolates. We're like fluent in six million yep. forms of Protestantism at this point. <laughs> so... Um, you guys are fluent in two and there in Kentucky. I think Lorelai's fluent in at least five or six. Yeah. Uh, so we've all got that. But but even Aaron, as you were descri- describing this, um, you were saying you were setting this up in a way that only a Protestant would really set it up, right? Like, so I was at work and I was talking about X Y Z about my religion, right? This is <laughs> this is how Protestants are wired. As a matter of fact, and and this is where I'm going to toss to you, Lorelai. There was a song that came out and. I'm going to say like maybe 91, 92. Uh, and this is the pre-chorus. I'm not going to do the chorus. The pre-chorus says that school is the place to be when you're young and fancy free because you got half a day to give your life away. It's Uncle Sam's Soul Salvation Program, government-funded, paid in full, a.k.a. your public school. They pay to put you in the classes. It's your chance to reach the masses. Audio adrenaline from their Don't Censor Me album, right? Like, we saw our schools, it's like mission fields. I mean, at least I was trained every time I went to youth group. It's like, all right, what are you going to do to share the gospel with somebody when you go back to school on Thursday morning after Wednesday night youth group, right? Yep. My childhood is like littered with memories of different like lists of kids I was going to try and witness to and strategies for witnessing to them. And like, being like in the world, but not of it. Like one of my church, like the Nazarene church I was at, like we went through a whole like no secular music phase. Like I was wearing the WWJD bracelet, like all the like Christian shirts, you know, that were name brands, but were Christian versions of name brands on them. I forget what some, like, it, like Air Apostle was like some apostle in fish. I don't like, like something like that. There were all these things. And so, yes, it was totally like your entire upbringing is like you're saved. Other people aren't. This is life or death, do or die every single minute. Like I was almost consumed by that to the point that like I was a weird, I was a weird kid in school. And I like, <laughs> I probably would have been anyway, but I was the weird Christian kid. Um, and yeah, so like we're, yeah, that's what we're trained. That's what we're trained to do. And I think it's kind of, it comes, it's come in handy in some ways, but it definitely primes you in a different way when you're coming into the Catholic church than maybe other people who are born into it. Yeah. I mean, it's built into you to be like, well, I should treat Catholicism this way too. Right. I'm going to buy all the tchotchkes. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, yep. do, do all the stuff. I'm going to do all the things. Do I have like Catholic mom shirts in my closet right now? Yes. Yes, I do. And I love them. <laughs> But it's in me. It's just in me. It it happens. It happens. Uh, so the flip side of this is that we're coming in. You know, I came into the church in 2005. Um, and right off the bat, you know, I got involved in, in Catholic media uh, with the local Catholic radio station. And, and that kind of expanded. And 
uh, you all um, have each of you been involved in some kind of, you know, blogging or podcasting, all kinds of stuff, right? Um, it's natural for a Protestant to just turn around and say, okay, I told you about the thing that was most important to me before. Now I have an expanded and like fresh view on this thing that's most important to me. I'm just going to keep on doing that, right? Um, at the same time, I think what took me aback so much when people were coming to me and saying, oh, you converts make the best Catholics, is that I felt like a total freaking imposter. Like, I remember walking into Mass and thinking, they're going to find me out. They're going to know I don't know anything. Like, the first time I went in there, I was I was like, oh my gosh, they can, like, smell the John Wesley on me. Like, they just, <laughs> they know. Um, I mean, did any of you deal with that kind of, like, feeling of being, like, a total imposter, uh, even as people were telling you that you were the expert? Yes. Yeah, so... Okay, like I said, when we came into the church, I was pregnant with our oldest. First of all, we we decided, we were like, okay, well, we're going to name him after a saint. <laughs> well, that year, John Paul was canonized, so he became John Paul, right? But I was like, okay, now I've got this John Paul that is going to be John Paul III, I've decided, right? But how do I make a cradle Catholic? Because I don't know how to do that. All of my traditions are not Catholic. Where do I go? And um, I had no idea. I knew there was this liturgical calendar because I learned that in RCI, but I thought, well, that just means people wear different colors, and that's all that means for me. And I'm kind of high and dry. So until I could figure out how to teach him what, how you live out the Catholic faith, really like that, not just mentally, but living it, I didn't feel like I was a real Catholic. Yeah. So this is a, a, a point that I definitely wanted to get to here. Um, it, it, and th- and this is where we often at the Coming Home Network tell the new people to pump the brakes a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Because you've got plenty of information, but you don't yet have the formation. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, some people may know that, like, I produce the Journey Home, and people all the time are like, "There's this amazing person in our RCIA class. You got to get them on the Journey Home, yeah. um, you know, to tell their story." I'm like, I gotta let them like fail at Lent, like, well, right? Yeah. yeah. I got to let them like get super excited about receiving communion and then turn around and screw up and realize they've got to go to confession before the next time they go up. Like you have, there's certain things like, like Casey, maybe you can speak to this a little bit about like the difference between information, like the, the knowledge pieces and like the formation that you get like in the mass, like how has that looked for you? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. So like I, well, we've already alluded to being annoying, right? So (laughs) But being on set like just a blaze in a good way, right? And so you're coming out of the gate, but you don't even realize the the time it has taken you and how where the Holy Spirit is taking you on your journey. You don't even realize it at that point. Really, you're just like, oh, boom, all this makes sense. So it should make sense to everyone right now. And so you, you go out and you present it like that, and it falls on ears that, have not been prepared for this, have not had the same experiences you've had. And so it's, it, they're to- of course, they're like, hey, bud, like back up, give me some breathing room, you know? And I, I had that experience with my own family and, you know, them thinking, oh, you must be better than I am because you've found this stuff and you've rejected your former faith. And 
Um, and so it took a while, kind of that marinating and, and kind of looking back to see, oh, wait, it didn't happen for me overnight, did it? It was, it was way back when I wasn't even thinking about Catholicism that so-and-so came into my life as a really good example as a, of a, as a Catholic. And it wasn't until, you know, this thing popped up and I investigated a little bit. I, I closet watched Marcus on, you know, the journey home a little bit, but I wasn't serious about it. And then it wasn't until a year later. So you then you get to see, oh, I see where the Lord was leading me. He was preparing my heart to be more receptive to when those, you know, more pointed things came at me to go, okay, well, let me give it a, let me get a, a second look. Mm-hmm. And so I, I definitely have seen in what we've been Catholic, what, eight years now or so, 2014, um, that progression. It's like, yeah, of course, you know, there's there's nothing really that's changed as far as our beliefs in the church. It's not like we've, you know, kind of looked back and said, well, I guess really the church isn't right on this. No, 100%. It's, you know, we're 100% Catholic. We're 100% believe what the church teaches. It's just now that we're kind of gaining little by little that, that wisdom of how do we effectively evangelize and share this faith. Um, and I, one of the things that always comes to my mind is like adding another commandment would be know thy audience. <laughs> it's like I can have one of these, you know, knockout drag outs with some people like they're ready for it. And and they, they, they engage with that and they're that's healthy for them. And, but other, other times I know that I have to just kind of rest in my identity as a Catholic, live it out, but not be super in your yes. face about it. You know, we've done that, you know, going over to our parents' house and taking our little Catholic traditions with us, but not being like, okay, now everyone, we're going to recite the rosary. Would you please break them out? And you know, shake it around. I literally was kind of like that year in or so. I was like trying to teach my sisters how to pray the rosary and like kind of looking out the corner of my eyes, like, is my dad watching? Yeah, anyway, this is the rosary, you know. It's like, oh, you know, but but now, you know, not hiding it, but being living it in a way that's attractive and not, it just takes a lot. It takes a while. I, I think you're right. You can't just pull Johnny out of RCIA onto the journey home. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Laura, do you have anything to add to that about how the, you got to soak in those juices? Like you got to be shaped by the mass to get this a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think I was on the journey home, like two years into my conversion, which still feels a little early for me. Like I, like I kind of thought like, I, I think I had to have, a period of time where I realized I was not the know-it-all Catholic because I actually kind of came in and was a little bit like, what's, why are all these people so stoic about their faith? And like, I was like, you know, this is exciting. And then I had to kind of unwind that a little bit and settle in a little bit. And I'm, I really love my episode and I'm really like, I'm really thankful for it. But even now I think, um, you know, like there's just, there's just different aspects of it. And I think I agree as well. Like I had to tone down the evangelical, um, in your faceness of my life. And there's part of it that like, obviously I still love talking about it. I blog about it. I talk to people about this faith, but I also know that anyone of my friends who knew me before and talks to me now is going to see the, and just feel the peace that is in our home and in our lives now. And I, that's something like you can't manufacture and you can't fake that. And that letting go of that striving, um, that I had had for so long and settling into the peace of knowing that basically I like to think of it like I'm on this huge ship and outside of that could be sunshine or it could be the worst storm ever, but I'm, I'm safe 
and I can be settled in that. And it's been a bit of a process of letting go of that. This is life or death. You need to get someone to pray the sinner's prayer right now, Catholic version of that. And just being, being authentically. It's called confirmation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just being authentically like in, in the very long service. Yes. Much longer than the sinner's prayer. Yes. So long, but just being authentically in it and living it and being ready when those conversations come. But it's just, there's just much more peace to be found. Well, I'm glad to hear that you wouldn't change anything about your journey home episode because I would change everything <laughs> about mine. Oh, I've no. been Catholic for like I've got to go look six this. years. <laughs> Casey and Aaron just did theirs, so they had a little bit more time to 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 marinate. But you know what's interesting is that you know when you first become Catholic, I don't know if you can relate to this either. Like you don't even know why you became. You think you know why you became Catholic, but but down the road, like, so for me, um, and I've shared this, I think, before, like, I thought the reason I became Catholic was because I had discovered that the church was right about literally everything. Like, I thought that's why I had become Catholic. And I realized over time that the real reason I became Catholic was because I needed a stable source of grace, right? Because in our evangelical worlds, there was a lot of like, well, this was a good Sunday. This was a bad Sunday. The Holy Spirit really showed up this Sunday, not as much on the fourth Sunday, right? Like, I needed a stable, steady stream of grace that I didn't have to like lean on my own how I felt that day. Uh, did that happen for either of of you, Casey or Aaron? Like at oh, all? Definitely. Um, you know, kind of having a once saved, always saved mentality. But then when you backslide, that's okay. But when there's some things that, well, you were just never saved to begin with. Um, and that's kind of a little scary, right? So then you get in these moments where you're like, oh no, I messed up. And as a Catholic, we're like, oh no, I messed up. But God's grace is so abundant. I'm going to go to confession, all these things. I am not in a state of grace, but I can be. But as a, uh, you know, for us growing up, you're like, oh no, well then I'll just, maybe I wasn't saved to begin with. Maybe I need to get rebaptized. You know, so why you get three or four? Um, you know, it, it's it's much more fearful that, well, maybe maybe God's not big enough to cover that. Maybe, maybe I am too bad. Maybe I am not worthy, you know? Well, what's like- funny about that, well, I don't know if... Funny is the right word, is that, you know, you talk about the once saved, always thing, mm-hmm. the always saved. That's not part of my experience as a holiness person. Mm-hmm. That's not part of, I don't think, Lorelai's experience. Uh, I remember a uh, a sermon about, uh, I think, like a local newscaster had been like in an air show and they had him mic'd up and he was like hang gliding or something and like had some accident and died. But his last like words into the microphone were a cuss <laughs> word. And my pastor was like, wouldn't it be terrible? If you spent your whole life following Christ and at that last moment you said that cuss word and broke everything like because for us, right, you could very much lose your salvation. Uh, So I wonder, I'll ask you this uh, now, Lorelai, like, did you do you think your reasons that you gave at the time, like maybe looking back there, there were other reasons at play that you weren't as aware of that you became Catholic? I think I can relate to the idea of needing that more continual flow of grace. Like one of, one of the things that was 
huge for me in my conversion was I was a worship leader at multiple different evangelical churches. So I was front and center leading worship, raising my hands. Um, and people would be like, you know, when you sang like the Holy Spirit, like set up shop and I'm like, but, or was it just the song was good and the bridge, you know, hit at the right, you know, you know, vibes and, um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, like it could have been right. Like, I mean, I sing. So like, but there was sort of this like church was good. If you felt something that was like how you knew church was good. And I think I ran so far from that. Um, like I was like, this can't be, this can't be the, the marker of church can't be how we feel during a song. And I think so like that was like a piece of it. A lot of it was that like truth, like thing at the time. But then as I became Catholic and got into it more, it's the sacraments. It's this is continual flow of grace. It's knowing that I'm not going to mass necessarily to feel anything. I'm going there to receive Christ and that that's really not dependent on how I'm feeling that day or how wild my children are or how much sleep I have, like, or how any of the songs hit. If all the singers, if the cantor is flat, if they mess up the words, like none of that changes the fact that I'm receiving Jesus. So like, I guess maybe I'd say the other part of it is the Eucharist. I don't think I realized like how in like that is everything. Like that's everything. Like that's, that's our faith that, you know, hinges, the mass hinges on the Eucharist. And I think as I've been in the faith longer, like that is, that is it more than any of that reasons. Yeah. Casey, do you think, uh, because you were the annoying one in in this particular episode, right? Do you think that that's, that maybe there's this sense that converts who come in, come in because the church is true. Like that's maybe why they get that whole reputation of being the best Catholics. Um, because so often, at least the loud ones, uh, are the ones who quote unquote read their way in as though anybody could possibly like, I mean, two people could read the same book, right? It's grace, right? It's grace. But like, do you think that's part of what's, what drives that, that perception? Oh, yeah, I think so. A hundred percent. I think it's just, uh, you know, they're, you know, we, it's, it's nothing really particularly special. Like we're, we're a great above everybody else. And we've had this particular insight. It's just for whatever reason, the Lord has shed his mercy and his grace upon us. And we've been able to see mm-hmm. this thing that was really laying there in our scripture this whole time. And it's that, uh, well, I keep going back to the, the word fire, but it's just that um, when you have that realization, right, that this really this steady, you know, stream of grace, you know, um, is, is there and that Jesus wants it for everyone. Mm-hmm. And you've had the experience, at least I had the experience and I had the experience of being in such an unstable, you know, specifically, I think both of us, you know, could attest to the whole salvation debacle. It's like, what is it? Am I, aren't I, what do I do if I feel like I'm not, if, if I feel like I am, um, which is which is which is interesting us talking about this because a lot of people could accuse Catholics of the same thing, right? Well, you just do whatever you want to, and then you go to confession, and it's all good. Well, there's another malformation or misunderstanding of what the, the church is teaching is, but um, yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that's where um, people miss, uh, I guess, interpret you know that zeal for. It, it, I just want to pass this along to you, and I want you to get it now. <laughs> Like, I want you to understand it now because there's that evangelical, like, bend, right? We, we we took that, you know, we took that sinner's prayer, like, go out, have, like, that quick conversation with people. 
and now we're mapping it on to I've received all this information. I should be able to pass it off like a football to you right now. You should be able to understand it and become Catholic tomorrow. And it's like, no, this is going to be this is going to be a lot of really, really, it's not about me. And if I can do it, because I can't do it anyway, <coughs> surrender to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, you know, I, I want these people to become Catholic. These people, my family, friends, but. Show me how to participate with you with, with, with that grace in the way that you see fit and how that's actually going to be effective instead of just me. You know. So uh, I hadn't planned on doing this, but I feel like the conversation has kind of gone this way. So I'm just going to I'm going to do it. So this is hopefully of benefit both to cradle Catholics who are trying to wrap their minds around like this weird <laughs> subculture of evangelicals who are trying to like Get slam you. on the brakes. Right. Uh, when they become Catholic, but hopefully it's also very relatable to people from backgrounds like all of ours. Right. Evangelical like zeal. You got to know you got to memorize the whole book of James during a summer camp like that kind of stuff. So I uh, developed this list years ago for a coming home network retreat uh, to sort of break the ice a little bit. And uh, it's on our website. And I'm not going to read all of these, but uh there's a list of 10 signs you might be a Catholic convert. And I want you, if you can yes. relate to any of these, I would like to know. So um, if you're used to having your robust voice drowned out during hymns, but now find that it sticks out like a sore thumb at mass, yes. you might be a convert. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I knew the worship leader's hand would go up. <laughs> yes. So, no, hundred percent. So like, I don't know how many. Uh, she gets annoyed. She's like, "How many older ladies are going to come up to you and say you just have such a beautiful voice?" You know, I'm like, you know, I just can't. at every mass, every mass. You must love the Lord more than everybody else. <laughs> exactly. I want somebody right. Didn't realize that's bare minimum for like a Protestant church. Like, you, if you're not singing, then you're obviously like not a real Christian. Then you're sinning, basically. <laughs> How about this one? This one taps into the informational thing. All right. If you've ever pronounced a saint's name or a theological concept wrong because you've only ever read it in a book and never heard it pronounced out loud, you might be yes. a convert. Oh. For yes. sure. For yes. sure. Somewhere along the way. Many times, I'm sure. There's well, a whole pro Protestant Catholic, Augustine, Augustine. Right. There's but that. Well, yeah, well, you ever say concupiscence like out loud for the first time, like a completely wrong way? Um, Ecumenical? <laughs> no, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Um, this is this also, I think, taps into like the knowledge base that that we came into the church with, right? That's you know kind of staggering because we're used to like uh, a worship service having a primary function of teaching, right? Like in terms yeah. of like the, the yep. spoken parts. So if the hardest, oh, oh, so I'm sorry. If you're used to sermons that last an hour and a ten minute homily makes you wonder if you missed something, you might be a convert. Oh right. So there's that. Yeah. 100%. Yes. Uh, here's one that doesn't necessarily apply to this, but I'm going to read it anyway. Even though you're at a parish festival or fish fry, if you're still freaked out by the fact they're selling beer on church property, <laughs> you might be a convert. Yeah. Yes. Our first, our first experience, as we're like barely dipping our toe into the pool of Catholicism, friends of ours invite us to Oktoberfest. Uh, the church gambling tents gambling Oktoberfest at a church it's like I was so confused by all these Catholics talking about Catholic guilt I'm like what do you feel guilty about you're allowed <laughs> to do like everything yeah right yes. so I think you might need a dose of Catholic guilt <laughs> you need some more of that 
All right. So this one I think is applicable to this conversation. So um, even though you know the mass is deeply scriptural, I'm sorry. Even though you know the mass is deeply scriptural, if it still bothers you that nobody brings their Bible to church, you yes. might be a convert. <laughs> Absolutely. I. Our first time to Mass, we did bring our Bibles. We did. And, and I was so proud because that was my wedding present was yeah. it, it had my like new married name <laughs> embossed, right? Everybody's going to think this is so cool. Oh, wait. And nobody else noticed. <laughs> <laughs> what did they bring? They bring? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like they brought like a little magazine. Yeah. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> and then finally, this is the one that, that, that made me want to think of this list is number 10, uh, is if people think you're super holy when really you just happen to have read a lot of books, right? you yes. might be a convert. Yes. Yep. Yes. So. 100%. All right. So let's flip it around because I want to talk to the cradle Catholics watching who maybe somewhere along the way they've heard, um, I don't know, Jeff Cavins or... Marcus Grodi or some other convert talking and they just feel like that person is just like a thousand miles ahead of them. Like, what would you say to a cradle Catholic who's been going to mass their whole life, perhaps even daily mass a good chunk of their life to let them know that they are not second class Catholics and that converts are not a rung above them on the ladder? Um, Lorelai, you want to start? Yeah, I th actually think about this maybe more than than I thought I would think about it because I have some good friends who are cradle Catholics and I've gotten to know cradle Catholics. And obviously in any church environment, there are cradle Catholics on different spectrums of like how much they study outside of mass or maybe, you know, they're like, they're really faithful to the rosary. Like everyone has their own things. And maybe the best comparison for me would be like when I was coming into the church, like I tried on all these different hats of Catholic moms. Like I was like, maybe I'll be the homeschooling Catholic mom and maybe I'll be the rosary Catholic mom. Maybe I'll be the liturgical living Catholic mom. And I'm like, none of those moms. Like those are like, I'm maybe little bits of some of those moms, but I'm not any of those moms. And I think the beautiful thing about the Catholic church is that I'm learning, or one of the beautiful things is I'm learning that me becoming more and more of who God made me to be is the right kind of Catholic mom and person for me to be. And that's not going to look like anyone else because we all have a different role, a different thing that God has put us here to do. So if I could apply that to cradle Catholics, however they practice their faith, if they have stayed in this faith and if they love this faith, then in my eyes, that is an enormous gift that they didn't have to go through all of these things. And I value like my story and our stories are great too, but to have had that and to just be the Catholic that they are and have the devotions they have and have the faith practice that they have. Like, I don't want to say like I'm envious of that, but I get emotional thinking about what it would have been like to have had that and that beautiful gift. And I admire that about them so much. Casey, Aaron, anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, this isn't this faith that we have. It's easy to get stuck in information. You know, we have a whole book of what we believe, right? Not on top of like the Bible. We've got the catechism that lines it all out, right? And it's easy to get mucked in, well, I don't know all of that. Mm -hmm. 
and think, right, and think, well, so that makes me kind of not as smart or whatever you want to put. But you do know it because you've lived it. And lived experience cannot be taken away from you. Um, So even though you might not know why you're doing something, you're doing it because that's what you've always done. And there's so much beauty in that and uh, that you can't replicate with knowledge. You can't, you can't um, take it away from someone and you don't have to argue it. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I can say, well, that's wrong. Well, it's what I do. It's who I am. So it's not, you know, it doesn't need an argument. It just is. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I just said too, you know, to speaking to the person who's been, you know, faithful, gone to mass, and has been uh, in the church for a while. I mean, you've had the real presence mm. of Jesus Christ <laughs> flowing into you for years and years and years and years. Mm. That's not for nothing. And and you, and you get up and you turn to me, and I can quote you some. You know, I can look fancy and quote a Bible verse at you. Okay. But you have had the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords pumping through your body, you mm-hmm. know, since you were a kid or, or whenever you had a, re- a reversion to the faith or whatever it is. But that is not for nothing. And there is so much, right, that that closeness to Jesus has given you that you can turn and give to us and to give to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a big believer, too. The church is, too, obviously, in the charisms. You know, I'm a loud, boisterous person. I like to do these things with Matt, right? <laughs> there are people who would shudder at the at even thinking about doing something like this, and that's okay. That doesn't make you a second-class Catholic. The Lord has given you a charism. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of determining what that is, asking the Holy Spirit, discerning what that is, and then putting it to work for the kingdom. And mm-hmm. so whatever that is, if, 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 it's, if you're not called to rattle off Bible verses or to do— then you're not called to that. You're called to know your faith and to express it in which, whatever way the Lord's called you to. So there you go. Yeah, I would say uh, don't make the Protestant mistake or a mistake that I might have made at certain eras of my Protestant understanding that just because you're not out doing doesn't mean that you're not doing stuff, mm-hmm. right? So, like, I mean, think about the people who are cloistered in convents and monasteries Mm -hmm. so if prayer matters and it is what we say we believe it is that's the most important gig in the world (laughs) right if prayer isn't that then they're wasting their lives exactly it's one of those two things right john paul ii you know they they would always get on to him for like just want to spend all the time with the folks in the wheelchairs at the front of his his audiences and stuff. It's because he was going down there to spend time with them because they have such power, mm-hmm. right? You know, re, you know, even though they can't get out of their wheelchairs, they have to stay at home through their redemptive suffering, through their prayers. So, yeah, it's just, I think it's a mentality shift, right? Mm-hmm. Just because you're not the person out doing, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not what the Lord's calling you to do. Yeah, there's a lot of... A lot of good stuff in that. Um, well, before we let you go, uh, I mean, I guess we sort of answered the question about whether or not converts make the best Catholics, and the the answer is sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> off and on. Kind of depends on the day. Give it a few uh, depends on the situation. 
I don't know. Faithful Catholics. I, best Catholics. I don't know about you all. I've been in this thing, well, since 2005, and I feel like a baby. Like, I feel like I know, like, a half of a percent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I may know a lot of, like, stuff knowledge-wise, but I'm not... I'm just now at that point where I accidentally genuflect taking my seat in the bleachers at a game. Like I'm just now there. I got a long way to go before it's all the way in my bones. That's right. Um, right. But you all are all involved in various projects. I want to give a chance to shout some of those out. Uh, Casey and Aaron, if you could tell people what the Baptist Catholic is about. Well, Baptist Catholic, the name's split in half. So Baptist to Catholic, it's just basically amalgamation of those two words, but it, we're sharing Catholicism with Baptist fervor. Really what we've been talking about, right? Bringing our former tradition to bear on Catholicism, bringing the good um, into our newfound Catholic faith. And so we try to share that with, with people. And, um, you know, I'm a big believer. You know, there's some people who wouldn't listen to a person in a collar, but they'd listen to my silly self rattle on about something maybe. So it, as much as we can sow the seed, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's about. So the body of the Christ, you're like a thumb. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe the end of a pinky. Yeah. End of a pinky. Yeah. There you go. Lorelai, tell people, you got a lot of cool stuff going on right now uh, with some of your children's fiction and some other things yeah. that you're doing. If if you could, let people know a little bit about that. Yeah. Um. So I have two novels out with um, actually Penguin Random House, which has been a long and difficult road. Um, my most recent one is this one. Um, the Edge of In Between, and it is actually incredibly Catholic. It's a magical retelling of The Secret Garden mixed with The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. So it's kind of this, pur- it's set in this purgatory type place, and um, my main character learns how to find the good and the true and the beautiful in the world after experiencing loss, so there's redemptive suffering in it. Um, and I when this book came out or when I was working on it, I was certain at some point that I was going to get an email from my publisher saying, tone down the religion. And that email never came. So it is intact as like an incredibly Catholic work of fiction. <laughs> um, that's too late to change now. So, um, and I have a third book coming out with them and, um, you know, working on some other projects. That one doesn't come out till 2024, but it is an honor to be able to write stories that lift up the good and the true and the beautiful for young readers today who really need that. And then to have been given the opportunity to have the reach that I've been able to have through, through my publisher. If you've not been to a uh, book fair at one of your schools lately, you uh, you may not understand how important that is. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's, it's very Actually, important. There's going to be... Yeah, there's gonna be people more excited about what you just said than anything we talked about for like the last, mm-hmm. you know, fifty minutes or so. <laughs> but um the Baptist Catholic we've got linked in the show notes, uh Lorelisaverin.com we've got linked in the show notes as well as this Catholic family. Casey, Aaron, Lorelai, thank you so much for uh being willing to have this conversation. Some some good stuff. I hope that uh, helps settle the debate on on That's just how good it's all settled. We got it. We did it, we did it. And thank you for watching this episode of CH Network Presents. I'm Matt Swain. Visit us at chnetwork.org. And if you want to support our work, because we try and make things as available to people as possible without any charge to them, you can support it by going to chnetwork.org donate. Have a good time. We'll see you next time around.